0: Hello and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical.
1: I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we're discussing A Psalm of Storms and Silence by Roseanne A. Brown, the sequel to A Song of Wraiths and Ruin, which I have a lot of trouble saying. You nailed (laughs) both of those titles. (laughs) Um, Which we talked about all the way back in episode 39. This book picks up right where we left off in the last one with Karina on the run and Malik living in the palace with Hanan, who was brought back from the dead, and Fareed Basically, in control of everything. Chaos does indeed ensue. <laughs> Inevitably. Inevitably just want to give a quick content warning for this episode for discussions of self-harm, suicidal ideation, and miscarriage. Um, we just want to make sure folks are taking care of themselves. So if you don't feel up to listening to this episode at the moment, feel free to come back later or skip this one. Um, we'll talk about this in Kill Your Darlings and provide a content warning there too, just in case you want to skip that section slash discussion. <laughs>
0: The season of the show is wrapping up quickly. We're almost to the end of season four. It's this episode and then Lost in the Neverwoods. And then the season is done. Almost done. Can you believe it, (laughs) Jesse? It flew by. It really did. It really did. And now we're all the way in 2022. The next season, our fifth season, will start up in June-ish, we're thinking. So we'll keep you guys updated. (laughs) and if you like want to say in the books that we read in the next season we always ask our patrons so you should consider joining our patreon you could do so for as little as a dollar a month and then also you get to come hang out on our discord with fun people who talk about books and baking and yarn and all sorts of things it's a fun little community so yeah join us
1: All right. Initial reactions. Oh, I forgot to write mine. <laughs> yeah, Kelly didn't write anything. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to?
0: <laughs> I guess that means I should go first because otherwise I'm just like, Jesse, I agree. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> I was felt rusty getting into this book. I was like, okay, magic system. How does it work? Political machinations. What's going on? Who's on whose side? Like it took me a minute to get oriented back into the book world. But I think once that happened, the book started picking up the pace. And especially those last like 200 pages, were really moving at a clip. I really enjoyed the slow burn, the Malik and Karina ship. I thought the book had some really important things to say about trauma and how we process fear in our bodies and how we continue cycles of abuse. And I'm excited to talk about it. I thought it was really good, if a little long.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. We read Wraiths and Ruins so long ago, like all the way back in 2020, that there was a shit ton of stuff I did not remember. Which happens to me a lot when I read a series and it comes out, like when it comes out, and then there's this like long gap when between when I read the next book. But once things got moving, like you, I started to remember the main things, and I felt the book did a good job of um, inserting signposts to remind the reader of what had happened without feeling like it was summarizing too much. I really appreciated I really enjoyed the book and I love being back in the world Brown created I also really really like Karina and Malik and I was pretty happy with their like pseudo ambiguous ending which was a surprise to me (laughs) I'm surprised that you said this (laughs) I know I was surprised with myself (laughs) recommend if you like obviously a song of rapes and ruin like just You can't really read the second one without reading the first one. I mean, you could try, but, uh, you know, you'd be confused. (laughs) Very, very. I mean, we did read it and we were confused. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I think An Ember in the Ashes, kind of like enemies to lover-esque political stuff going on. Different groups of people suffering from abuses of power. So, yeah, Ember in the Ashes by Sabah Tahir. I would
0: also add the Children of Blood and Bone series by Tomi Ediyemi. It's like the, there's lost cities. There's, they're like searching for artifacts to complete a ritual, you know, that's going to change things. There's sibling stuff. Exactly. And then I also think Kingdom of Souls by Rena Barron. You know, there's some zombie stuff in that, in that one. And it's, yeah, that seems like a good read-alike.
1: Yeah. Good, good options. Why do
0: we choose this book? Well, my stab at this answer is we read the first one and the covers are pretty.
1: I agree. We like the first one. So it makes sense that we would continue with the series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I appreciated that it was a
0: duology and not a, uh, not a trilogy. It's just like, I mean, wham bam. We'll see. I feel like people
1: are like duology and they're like psych trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Time to talk world building and through the wardrobe. So in this book, we see hyena um, is a trickster god, kind of like Coyote in Trail of Lightning or like Loki in Norse mythology. So I w- this like kind of got me wondering, and I pulled a Kelly and like did a little research. Oh my gosh! Um, right? <laughs> which I like never do for the episodes. Cause, <laughs> I mean, because you're busy. <laughs> not busy (laughs) but this is a common type of god in many different belief systems so we'll link to a couple of different resources because i thought it was really cool to see how they overlap and like the traits that are similar between them and like just how many trickster gods there are out there so i thought this was really cool that's amazing i'm excited to explore the resources I like Hyena,
0: especially as this, like, self-aware and meta, like, referential character. Like, it refers to the the nature of, like, the fact that she's intervening in a lot of these different people's lives like on page 145 she's talking to Karina and she's like like I said before blah 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 and Karina's like you didn't say that to me and so Hyena (laughs) is like oh sorry that must have been the other boy I give so many speeches that I get mixed up so I just (laughs) these little moments you know are really I guess humanizing is the wrong word to say but I just love these little quippy like detail moments really make the book for me
1: yeah yeah
0: agreed we were introduced to some cool new places in sanande how were you with the travel
1: oh you know what it didn't bother me so much because we didn't actually like witness the traveling they just we went. Just were at the places and i was like yeah this is good <laughs> this is good but i could not re- remember all the places i should have like pulled out my book and looked and seen if there was a map because i was like i don't remember what any of the places were called <laughs> there's definitely a map um okay. i probably should have referred to it more too that would have probably been helpful
0: yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> Past Kelly would have benefited from this. <laughs> but we get to introduced to so many cool different places, like the University of Zeron. There's that magical lost city inside of the tree, right? It's inside of a big tree, I think. I couldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the hidden thieves only city in the like canyon. I wolves. thought that was really that was cool. So cool, yeah.
1: Ugh, I liked so that i enjoyed a lot. how
0: the world expanded you know because we're traveling with karina and then at some point like malik is also leaving he's not in uh the capital for forever either
1: yeah he's like traveling around i don't really remember how he got to places but you know i didn't need to see it so that's <laughs> fine <laughs> that could happen off the page we're between good, the page good. turns yeah yeah exactly
0: Let's discuss all things magic. I have questions. Okay. Maybe you'll have answers. (laughs) We'll see if I can answer them. (laughs) Were you able to suss out the difference between Zawengi and Ulraji?
1: No. And, like, I think they both have, like, some kind of powers, but I'm not really 100% sure about what the differences in their powers were. And I'm also not sure if we learned that in the first book and I just forgot. Like I should have just looked it up. I'm sure there's like I'm a sure wiki there for this. I'm sure there is. <laughs> and we
0: are not scholars of this magical system. So don't quote us. No. But I feel like maybe that's <laughs> also a little, the like indistinguishment is a little bit like kind of the point that like these differences are made up. And that one point Karina, I think, learns that Zawengi and Ulraji lived together in the past. And she was like, that seems like this weird utopian dream.
1: Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there was
0: like oppression of the magic, right?
1: Yeah, and I, and it was one of those things where I'm like not really sure if you could only tell who was what by the magic they used, or could you tell by like looking at them? So this was like kind of complicated in my head to the point yeah. where I just was like, mm, doesn't matter. Exactly. That was like,
0: oh, <laughs> these people are trying to figure out how to live together, so I guess we'll just who cares yeah. about these differences?
1: Exactly. And I'm like, mm, I mean, I guess Karina has that like gray hair like that white gray hair and I don't know if that signified something and then it changed back to like or changed to black at the end so I was just like I don't know maybe that had something to do with it couldn't say who knows we don't have answers I think that's the answer we see
0: this as a common trope in all sorts of fantasy and folklore but there's collateral damage for these rites or these rituals so the rite of resurrection and then there's this prophecy that happens, right? You have to have a rite of renewal, this like balancing act. You know, if uh, if nature and magic is out of balance, then everything's fucked up and we have to write it. So there's locusts, there's earthquakes, there's storms, and then the beast at the end. I thought that was cool. I was not expecting Hanan to be the beast.
1: Me either. That was a surprise. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, we see this in a lot of books where everything like always needs to be in balance, you know I think I was just watching Boba Fett yesterday and so I think of like Star Wars like I guess it's just a common trope in YA books and in fantasy books in general but we don't see many plagues in the books that we read so that was kind of cool
0: it was cool and it was also like a way to I I liked the technique narratively to move the story along right because you know that this it's like this other shoe is about to drop you know
1: yeah yeah
0: Brown did it the last time with the like uh the trial the solstacia trial you know so it's like helpful to have as Mm -hmm. a reader to have these narrative devices that are like okay i know how the narrative is like kind of i don't need to know what's going to happen in fact i would like to be surprised but i have to have some sort of structure in order to orient myself you
1: know um we also see karina and malik sharing dreams but not the sexy fun (laughs) 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 opportunity i know i'm like what are y'all doing you could be like not worried about like your sexual interactions you don't have to worry about karina getting pregnant like all these things um but anyways they're sharing these dreams and like karina is like beating malik up (laughs) yeah she's like punching
0: him in the face
1: (laughs) yeah and he's like waking up with like bruises on his body but i thought this was an interesting way to show how like they were kind of connected and they're like having these dreams and like there's these physical manifestations coming out of the dreams. It was interesting. I don't feel like we see a lot of these like we don't see a lot of like dream things happening in books where it's like actually happening, like they're actually meeting each other and talking to each other and both of them remember it. So, I I like this part of the story. Yeah, it
0: was like an interdimensional part of the storytelling which was cool.
1: Yeah. We get a little
0: um I would I would imagine as like a montage situation with Karina learning magic from Karakal. Cool, small, useful things like changing barometric pressure and making different kinds of like changing water into different kinds of, I don't know, like ice or precipitation or whatever. And it's just like she she was talking about it's so like fulfilling to start as a beginner at something and then get to see your progress, you know, as you get better. And this makes me think of like you and baking, for example, or like, you know, an artistic practice or something like that. Or
1: like podcasting, I feel like we get better over time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just nice to see like the fruits of your labor. (laughs) All the time you put in and all the knowledge you've gained over time is pretty fun. And kind of nice for Karina because she gets to see it getting better in kind of a short span of time, which is really nice.
0: In addition to that, we have Blood Oaths. There's Resurrection Magic. There's a tattoo knife, which is interesting because I'm also reading as Sarah J. Mass's new book or whatever and i'm we just talked about it before recording and we won't get into it here maybe a bonus episode or whatever (laughs) where we can put it behind the patreon paywall (laughs) but it it was just like there's another it's like a cool narrative trick to like hide a weapon inside of your body in a tattoo that also happens in that book i think roseanne brown does it way better (laughs) way way better (laughs) (laughs) well
1: that's good not surprising
0: Another through line that we have, you know, throughout episodes and books that we've read is this magic getting used as a means of selection and control. So one of the like bad parts of the past that her family's past that Karina learns about is that her royal family of Zoran has been like finding different Zovenji and stealing them like as children Mm -hmm. and then training them to become the Sentinels, to become their essentially like their paramilitary group or whatever, their elite military group. And then they also cast a spell to control them and make them have to follow orders, So it takes all of their agency away. Another time that we see this is like Malik learning how to use his illusion powers to, to inflict pain and suffering and to torture Dedele and others at Farid's behest, but it's like Malik still chose to do it.
1: Yeah, and like using not just the magic as a form of control, but, like, using your loved ones as a form of control. In this instance, Malik, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, he doesn't want to torture these people using his, like, illusion magic, but he also is, like, concerned for the safety of his sisters. And we see him controlling them as well, trying to keep them safe. Like, you know, he's like, by any means, I will keep them safe, even if that means hurting other people, or even to an extent hurting them, obviously, emotionally instead of physically. But still... Yeah, making some tough choices. Now we're going to talk about conflict, villains, and good versus evil in our segment called Get Me Kylo Ren. Fareed, just the worst. So bad. So bad. So Fareed and systems that allow a group to be in control and block others from having any say or power. Like, so many of the books that we read, it's just like, one dude who thinks he should be in charge and I'm like bro get over yourself
0: <laughs> and so many people like capitulating to this mm-hmm. manipulator and abuser like he Karina says this at one point and I found myself also thinking it like why is this why are we listening to him like I know who is why is he important anyway like he's getting way too many chances like we could just not just like go into your room and go be quiet <laughs> throw a tantrum alone <laughs> agreed 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 I really like this Adir Malik interaction in Malik's head because it it really like blurs the boundaries I guess between good and evil because Malik is seeing that I don't know means don't justify ends don't justify means and Adir is telling him some hard truths about things like that at one point on page 92 <laughs> I love this part Adir is telling Malik some hard truths he says you're doing all this to impress that simpering fool you call a mentor aren't you tell me how much of that bond you feel with him is genuine and how much of it is you craving the paternal affection that your own father never gave you
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: (laughs) and Layla also calls malik out being like are farid's methods really really that clean cut if you're the one doing all the dirty work behind the scenes yeah i thought these conversations were handled really well
1: i would agree with that yeah
0: Karina also gets this, I guess, uh, crash course in the fact that history is more complicated than just good versus evil and good people and bad people. She learns this when she meets up with Bahia Alahari. Is this in like a dream or something? I can't remember how she
1: gets access to I think to this. something like that. Maybe she's even like, was this when she's like poisoned maybe? Or she has the sickness?
0: I think it might have been in the temple when she goes to the lost city and she like has her- gets all the powers or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, she doesn't so. get powers because the powers are in her she already has all the power she needs (laughs) tm (laughs) the power was inside you all along exactly oh my gosh
0: (laughs) onward magical friends just as one does not simply walk into mordor one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race class gender and ability this is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate
1: I'm just now realizing that we both spelled things very differently because you read the book and I listened to it. So I had to spell things how I would sound them out. And that's <laughs>
0: totally fine. I knew exactly what you were talking about.
1: Great. I'm glad. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be confusing. <laughs> um, so in the story, uh, Ife is one of the people traveling with Karina and that guy whose name now I don't remember. It starts with like a C or something. Yeah, Karakal car yeah car car call (laughs) and ife is considered to be part of this group of people who's considered like a divine gender they use they them pronouns um they're called dulio dulio okay well i try to listen to the audiobook Duleo. i don't know (laughs) i know i try to spell it how i would sound it out but like i'm very bad at this because i don't know (laughs) but anyways uh ife is considered to be like closer to the gods slash more divine because of this um i wasn't really sure what they meant by this like but it was interesting something to be talked about
0: yeah a little uh wrench thrown in the binary in there a little Mm -hmm. stick through the spoke of the wheel um i like how this was actually dealt with in like a substantive way and not just been like, okay, here's our token nb character over here on the side who like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, we don't actually get their perspective on anything. But there were some points, you know, when Karina's travels with them and Karakal for a long time, relatively in the book, you know, for a good chunk of the book. So Karina gets to hear more of Ife's perspective. And there's this quote on page 271 and I want to read it. And then like, it also seems like, potentially neurodiverse or something going on but it's just like I guess this feeling of being an outsider because of different identities that you inhabit that are marginalized and uh it lets you see things in a in a way that like the quote-unquote normies or whatever don't you know the unpoliticized people don't Mm -hmm. so this is on 271 I don't understand people I never have and they don't understand me and that's fine because I understand stories stories follow a formula there's a beginning middle and end Everything has its place and everything makes sense. I've gotten used to things not making sense, but others haven't. They don't like it when you can do things that they don't understand or when your gender or your face or anything uh, you can't control doesn't make sense to them. Caracal has never made me feel bad or broken, but others have. I used to tell people, now I don't.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's hard too, because um, I feel like the book didn't go into like detail like about whether Ife was non-binary or if Ife um was intersex like it wasn't like gone into in detail which i think is like totally fine like obviously it's up to the author but also like ife doesn't feel the need to explain themselves so we don't have like we don't really go into it with any assumptions about who they are so yeah i kind of i appreciated this part of the story because i don't think we've had many like non-binary characters i don't think we've really had uh, many intersex characters in any of the books that we've read or at least it wasn't said on the page you know so it was good to, like, get this other perspective that I feel like we don't get in many of the YA or fantasy books that we're reading.
0: You were also saying about, like, they don't need to feel the feel the need to explain themselves, you know. So was it wasn't yeah. like this super interrogation thing where it's like, okay, the one gender, non- like, non-conforming to the binary person is, mm-hmm. like, put under the microscope and has to explain their existence.
1: Yeah. So there was never, like, this what are you <laughs> discussion. Yes. <laughs> Um, Which is, like, really appreciated. Like, it wasn't necessary because Karina already has an idea of what it means to be a Dulio. Like, maybe we don't have an explicit idea, but, like, maybe that's not necessary to the story for us to understand. But for Karina to understand that this is who Ife is and um, that changes their perspective on, like, the way they've walked through the world. And Ife can explain that without having to go into detail about what that means for them. We also see in the book that Hanan had the option to marry a prince or an heiress. So I guess, like, she couldn't marry a princess because, like, they need to have someone who's, like, in charge of both countries. I don't really understand how all this monarchy stuff works 100%. But I just thought it was interesting to know that Hanan had options and that she was, like, exploring those options with, I mean, it was pretty binary, but, like, with men and women so she had some options and i thought that was interesting we don't really see that a lot in the fantasy books we read when people are part part of the monarchy they usually have like an opposite gender whatever that means choice (laughs) yeah so it was cool to see something different and i think it's
0: often because of this like latent heteronormativity like the imp that you have to reproduce you know to carry on Mm -hmm. the family line or whatever as if you know people can't have children in other ways. But anyway. Yeah. I yeah. like this too. And I didn't really remember this. So I'm glad that you put it in here because I was like, oh,
1: cool. It's funny because I heard it and then I was like, wait a minute, back up, back up. So I like, you know, pushed back a couple times and I was like, Wait, did they just say that Hanan can marry whoever she wants? Is this a joke? And but it wasn't. It was real. I didn't make it up, it wasn't in my head. <laughs> Karina
0: gets to learn I mean gets a little bit disillusioned about her mom. I mean, which is, you know, bound to happen, right? Her mom it's was part a, of growing up. Exactly. <laughs> and so she learns about um this quote unquote flesh market that happens, this human trafficking that is happening out in beyond the capital, but probably also in the capital, you know. But Karina thinks that if her mom knew, she quote, would have done something about it. But no, because She knew and she didn't. Exactly. <laughs> I liked how the book gets into, it isn't just like, okay, famine, locusts, blah, blah, blah. and But it actually gets into like the material conditions of the people who are experiencing these hardships. And we see that the poor are affected disproportionately by the locusts, for example. Like they don't, the rich are having their parties and just like staying inside and escaping from all of the hardship. And then the, it's the, you know most vulnerable that are affected the most by all of these different like quote-unquote unnatural disasters
1: <laughs> unnatural natural disasters <laughs> yeah unnatural natural disasters yeah we see like Hanan kind of being like we need to help them like do whatever we can and Farid is kind of like well we can only help some of them like so we shouldn't help anyone <laughs> like I'm like what like help who you can you probably could help everyone if you just like live uncomfortably quote yeah. unquote, for a little small amount of time. There's this thing called the sphere of influence and Royals happen to have <laughs> a big one. Yes. So help who you can, even if that means you can't help everyone. I don't, I don't know. I was, he was just terrible. Oh my God. The worst. <laughs> yeah. One thing that
0: was like a sad growing up moment that we witnessed in the book was Nadia experiencing prejudice you know against the people from Ishran and so she gets called a slur by people was it in her school or something
1: mm-hmm. like in the daycare center
0: we see the like siblings near like navigating this because she has two older siblings Le- Layla and Malik it it was just like a just a very tender you know vulnerable moment that I was appreciated being in the book
1: yeah and I I'm glad that they that Roseanne Brown added this in because I just saw an article about someone talking about like a black woman being talking about the first time she was called the n-word uh as a child by an adult and she was like six years old or seven years old and i think this is something that you know like a lot of black people experience as children and now in this story nadia is called the slur by another child i think but at the same time, like these children are learning it from somewhere and then they repeat the things that they hear from the adults in their life. Um, so I think this, even though there's like no white people in this book, which we did not talk about, but yeah, there's like no white people in this book. Good <laughs> riddance. Yeah, cause you take up enough space, you don't need to be everywhere. <laughs> even though um, there's no white people in this book, I I've, I appreciate that Roseanne Brown added this in because sometimes we do see this word spoken as slurs. Uh, like in real life like the n-word uses slurs from other minority groups or within group in group conversations that's a whole different story and i people feel differently about it but um i just appreciate that this was left in because people do experience that at such a young age in real life Um, and it's not just black people there are slurs for lots of minority groups and they experience it as well Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. It's very obvious throughout that Fareed is in love with Hanan in a very possessive way. And he is just the worst. Like, I appreciate a possessive kind of, like... Male character love interest, but to a certain level. And this is just too much. <laughs> yeah, don't resurrect me. <laughs> right? I mean, for me, yes, you can, but like, she didn't want But I that. want my like witch
0: friends to do
1: that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want this
0: like random dude. It's like, what is your expertise? What are your qualifications yes. to perform this ritual, really?
1: None at all. He didn't even know he needed to do this renewal thing to like, whatever. I'm like, bro like get over it she doesn't want you (laughs) he's like incel number one you know (laughs) exactly just
0: thinking that always victimizing himself you know it's always other people's fault and he was forced to do quote unquote whatever he had to do and it's like no you were being really selfish the whole time and not thinking about like literally anyone else
1: you made these decisions and then you're like blaming everything on karina who like obviously was a child and didn't realize she had like you know, used her magic and like accidentally killed, you know, her dad and her sister. But I'm just like, she was a child. She's probably still technically a child in this book. <laughs> so like, what are you doing? I don't know. I was like, bro, get over it. Ugh.
0: I'm glad that Hanan did get to like air her piece though. And that like she and Karina got to talk about this, you know, really toxic relationship that Hanan had and Fareed have. It was it was interesting because it didn't seem like she really chose for Reed. It's like she didn't not choose him. You know, it's like she she just like let him on, I guess, because she felt bad. People pleasing tendencies, whatever. Yeah, it really doesn't. uh, It doesn't lead to good things. If you just always say yes to these sorts of people.
1: Yeah. And it almost felt like kind of like an abusive relationship, um, like an emotionally abusive relationship where Karina, or sorry, um, Hanan and Fareed were like really good friends and she didn't want to like quote unquote friend zone him or whatever. So she just like went along with it because like he made her feel as if it was like the right thing almost. Um, and like he literally like poisoning himself and blaming it on other people. And I don't know, it was just like very possessive and like a very toxic way. Possession is only cute in books, like not in real life. Let me just state that. I didn't mean that. like I am not a thing. I will not be. Yes, yeah. So I don't know. I just really hated Fareed. Mm. Mm. The worst. Very good
0: job making an antagonist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm glad that Hanan just finally like killed him at the end. She was uh, like, "Yeah, I have had enough of this. Turnabout's fair play, I guess."
1: Yeah, and then she was like, "All right, I'm ready to be dead again." So like peace out <laughs> balance everyone it's the balance
0: mm-hmm.
1: we got I guess a little bit of
0: a token gay couple mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with Karakal and his lover Isam, and I just I liked this description of like love and belonging to together with other people it's on page 278 and it's Karakal talking about uh, this guy If you ever find someone who feels as natural to you as breathing, don't leave them. And it's like, because if you do, it'll feel like you're drowning the whole time. Because he did leave Asam. Because he needed to, because Asam was still under the sentinel
1: spell. And they couldn't be together. It was real sweet. Forbidden lovers. And then they got back together. Yeah. I appreciated that. It was cute.
0: Okay, I just put this page 436. Can I read something?
1: Yes, I was like, what is this? Just a page number.
0: Okay, this scene is just so flipping well done. Uh, You'll know exactly what it is when I start reading. The old stories had taught Malik that love was about grand declarations and even grander gestures. But it was there, in the small hours of the night, as Malik held Karina and let her cry into his chest in the ugliest, most snot-ridden way possible, that he realized love was more like a pebble sinking into a pond, soft as the turn of one page in the story to the next, yet the ripples of it extending outward into everything about the way he saw the world and himself so good page 436 just so cute and it shows like these what I loved about the Malik Karina ship like this is kind of segue into our discussion is like the moments of intimacy that aren't like sexual or romantic that Mm -hmm. Roseanne Brown puts into the book so good
1: so good speaking of Malik and Karina. I really like the ending we saw for them. It wasn't really like an H-E-A, but left the door open for them to have other loves. Maybe they find their way back to each other, but maybe they won't. And in that way, it gives us the story that allows for the possibility that they can be happy without each other, but they could also be happy with someone, but that they could also be happy with someone else. Or with each other. Um, I really like this because Karina really pushes back against the idea of things being faded and she's often questioning the gods. So it makes sense that she would push back against this idea of a one true love as well. So I just really like this idea that like maybe there's a person for a specific time, but like you need to be happy with yourself as a person because that's like the most important thing. And like within that you can always find someone who will like fit into the spaces of your life. So I just really liked this for some reason. And I did not expect to like it. Once we got to the end, I was like, why do I like this? But I just thought it was really well done. And I liked it a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was this like bittersweet and almost very like a uh, real, like in a gut wrenching way, you know, it made me like feel cause I'm like, yes, these two characters, I love them. They need to go out and do what they need to do in the world. And I also, I love they're making this decision for themselves, but it's also so hard. And I love them together and yeah it it just like kept our hopes alive enough as readers i think with this like the book was also kind of like bookended by these two griot like storytelling chapters at the beginning and end um so that's also like a nice way to like wrap a bow around it
1: we also see karina asking malik if he wants comfort or advice when he's having a panic attack and i just really loved this idea it was just so sweet and so thoughtful especially because karina can kind of seem like a like the less emotional of the two I think so I really appreciated this I just was like oh I love it I love it it's just such a small
0: gesture that is massive in its impact you know being like what would be help what would be supportive for you right now just not assuming that we know or not assuming that can I give you a hug or can I sit next to you on the couch or and giving the person time to consent to it just yes amazing (laughs) Now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and basically whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings.
1: We see Malik questioning traditions, which I really appreciated. Um, So his people tried to, like, beat the magic out of him, insert other things that parents might do this for uh, in this instance. So I really appreciated this idea of, like, questioning our traditions like what we think of as the way we should live our lives or the rules that we follow because it's really important because we I think sometimes we just were like well this is a tradition this is what what we should do this is what we have to do that kind of thing and we really should think twice about like who do we harm when we do these things why do I do these things do I believe these things so I really appreciated like seeing Malik kind of think about like oh these are the traditions but why I loved it Mm-hmm. And
0: like, why it needs to stop, why it's wrong, you know, just being exactly. very like standing up for himself in that way. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Just Brown's writing the whole book. I'm super impressed especially I loved the segments where she gets super experimental with it. And is for example, when Malik is in Adir's memories and he's becoming like thousands of years old and he's like the trickle of a stream and the drop of rainwater. And he's connected to the Goyama river and the surrounding land. Just these they are almost like prose poems, you know, these sections. And I just thought that it was incredible the way it shepherds the reader into this like, altered state of consciousness that Malik is actually experiencing in the story. So good. Ugh. and so well done. Folk tales show up. I like this too, you know, as a, like a way of giving wisdom and history and life lessons. So this is the tale of the four friends. And this is the one that talks about the rite of renewal. And it talks about the, like the different plagues and stuff that are going to come. And it's all, it's just like this moral lesson. I like these little things when they're inserted into the story. I think they help kind of scaffold the,
1: the story. And they kind of situate you better within the world because they're like the stories of that world. So always appreciate it. You know, I'm always here for a paratext. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Content warning for until we're done. Until we start Real Talk for discussions of miscarriage, self-harm, and suicidal ideation. There is a mention at the beginning of the book that Hanan and Karina's mother had been through a few miscarriages. Um, And this is a YA book, but I think it's important for people to know that 10 to 20 percent of known pregnancies end in miscarriage. Um, And because we don't talk about that, many people who experience them feel like it's their fault. So I appreciated this mention in a book for young people who may have loved ones who experience miscarriage or may have experienced um, a miscarriage themselves. And it's really important to have these kinds of like difficult discussions. And I think we're seeing um, like within our world, like more celebrities kind of talk about their struggles with getting pregnant, with having miscarriages, that sort of thing. But I just really appreciated this in a book for young people who probably have parents who have dealt with this or friends or family um, or themselves um, because I, you know, they shouldn't feel like it's their fault. Like there's nothing Wrong with them. It, it's just a fact of getting pregnant that it's really likely that you'll um, experience miscarriage. So I appreciated this.
0: A million, million percent. And just it's normalizing a discussion about loss and grief that is, you know, normally kept very, I don't know, like in the shadows, I guess. And that's, you know, when things do the most harm so i i agree with you that i think it's important to this isn't like in a it wasn't dealt with inappropriately for an eight for like a teen age group or anything like Not
1: that yeah well and like um and it kind of like shows like because it's hanan because uh, she's the older sister who's kind of this is like her time or her memory or whatever like also the loss that's experienced by an older sibling who like was expecting you know another sibling that sort of thing, just like that that loss is felt by a whole family or a whole community of people. It's not just you know the person who was pregnant. We also see Malik using self harm as a way to control his own mind and the god living there whose name I cannot remember. You want me to say it? Yeah, Adir. A dear, Thank you. Um, and we see Malik thinking about killing himself. So this is another thing that I think can be important to talk about with young people. Because uh, I think we see, like, numbers rising of young people who are dealing with depression or suicidal ideation or self-harm. So I hope people know that there are people who are there for you and who wanna help you. And if you need help, please, please, please reach out. We'll link to the suicide prevention hotline in the Trevor Project in case you feel you need someone to reach out to or wanna take a look at those resources or provide them for someone else. Before we end, it's time for real talk. Did reading
0: this book make your perspective change in any way, or did it make you interrogate a concept, system, or trend that you hadn't before? <laughs> um,
1: No, I didn't write anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting you on the spot and giving you shit. I know. I know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is on page 180, and it's a quote because I'm basic. It's what Kelly does. <laughs> uh-huh. Sometimes people get so unnerved by their own fear. They don't realize that their response to it is worse than what they feared in the first place. Mm. This is good. Beautiful. Dropping some knowledge. It's like, that's like the entirety of Bessel van der Kolk's The body keeps the score, you know, like <laughs> that is, that's the tweet. Like there it yeah. is. It's so true. <laughs> and like so much of recovery from trauma is like giving those emotion, like, Finishing the cycle, you know, of being scared and then being able to feel safe, you know, and then re regulate. Such good knowledge for young people to be reading about and thinking about and just like normalizing the fact that we are animals. We react instinctually out of fear sometimes.
1: A lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times. Fair point. Are we ready for some card questions? Yes, I have to go grab them. One second. Okay. Okay, I'm back. Okay, card questions. Let's see
0: what we got. Hopefully, there's some good ones. (laughs) Who recommended this book to you, and does their choice say anything about them? No one.
1: The algorithm. Anyone? Yeah, the algorithm. We recommended it to ourselves. Yes, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Hmm. Was the author better at describing the concrete or the abstract? I would say that they were great at describing everything. (laughs) It's a weird question.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why it has to be an either or, you know? I reject the premise. This is binary. (laughs) What emotion most clearly dominated the main characters? Anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's why this book is so relatable. I know, I know. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Malik as a character. Yeah. Because it's just like dude you understand the struggle
1: yeah okay this is a good one to
0: end on and it kind of gets to like the open-ended and we can use our imaginations a little bit what do you think happens to the characters after the book ends damn this is
1: a good one right <laughs> yeah hmm
0: I really hope Malik starts a university in a non-hierarchical non-western academia sense and that it's like an amazing place of learning and yeah that it's all wonderful
1: yeah I like to imagine that Karina becomes like an excellent queen I mean we already see her starting out on that journey to like make a more equitable society But you know what? I don't really imagine. I don't know if I want them together or not. Like, I just can't decide. Like, part of me is, like, they got their time together and maybe that's great and now they get to have time with other people. I don't know. Maybe they get to experience lots of loves and then come back together when they're, you know, like, old. Like, 30. (laughs) (laughs) So,
0: like, younger than us. (laughs) Yes.
1: No, I'm just kidding. Like, But, like, maybe, I don't know, like... Karina's kid ends up in Malik's college or something and they come back together. Oh, yes, and Jessa sent him something. an email about her. Yeah,
0: <laughs> email. They don't have email. <laughs> that's right. No, there will never be any email in this happy ending because emails are not in my happy no. ending. Ugh, no.
1: Okay, well, that's what I imagine. I'm similarly conflicted. Like,
0: I think they would yeah. be great with each other and great without each other. And I like that so many of these, it seems like a lot of these... YA fantasy books that we read are like, okay, you're OTP, you know, and it's like you're 17 and you meet this person, then you hate them, and then you're in love with them. I'm not saying like books are reality or anything, but I'm also saying it's like good to have different horizons of possibility for the young people who might be
1: reading this, you know, it's like, (laughs) and who will not have that experience. I can say I did end up with my husband after meeting and starting to date at 18 but I do not think that is the norm anymore so it is good to see like hey you're not going to meet your person in high school like that's for the most part probably unrealistic but it can happen so we should have some of those stories but it shouldn't be all of them
0: (laughs) right and that's just the fact that you can have many more loves I like that plurality Mm -hmm. of it you know
1: like yay agreed, more love (laughs) Thanks for listening to the library coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of lost in the never woods by Aiden Thomas last book of the season. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we miss, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at the library coven.
0: I mean, y'all probably should be subscribed at this point, but if you're not <laughs>
1: do it, click the button
0: on the podcast app of your choice. Maybe not Spotify. Who knows? I still listen to Spotify. I'm full of contradictions. We contain multitudes. (laughs) We'd really appreciate it also if you rate and review the show and spread the word to other people out there. It helps the algorithm promote us, I guess. We're at the whims of this technological (laughs) magic. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. It's super fun when that happens. I remember one time we got like a $30. Someone gave us like 30 bucks and we're like, oh my God, books. Books. (laughs) You can support us monthly on Patreon and you can also shop at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical.